What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two-Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, the pull-up edition. Today, we have a recorded artist and a producer. You know, we have in the building today, we have Blue Lion in the building today. What's going on, Big Boss? Bless up, bless up, brother. Nothing but more work and more work to lead to success. That's all that's going on. <laughs> good one. Very, very good one. You know what I mean? Because in this business, you just got to work hard. Even when you get to the top, that's when you got to put in even more work, you understand? Very true. Very true. Definitely. So, Blue Lion, definitely looking forward to this conversation to get to know you a bit more and stuff like that. So, give us a quick synopsis of what it was like growing up and stuff like that. Um, growing up was a, was just a mixture of things, but, um, was being alone a lot, um, kind of our only child between the mother and father. I had my cousin at times, but he lived somewhere else. Um, growing up in Trinidad was, it was nice. Grew up in partially in Brooklyn and partially in Trinidad, but more, more in Trinidad. It was nice. It was a dish. It was a shock. Going down to Trinidad after being in Brooklyn, but um, it was cool, and um, it had its, it definitely had its struggles. <laughs> so even yeah, grow, growing up, were you into music at that time, or what were you into at that time while growing up? Yes, I was. I was into music. However, the 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 levels it it had the intensity increased as um as we got older. So it was just as a lover of music. Remember, I had one little stereo by the bed, especially being an only child. When, 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 while in Trinidad, I grew up with grandmother. And it was just Blue Lion and grandmother in the house. And back then, Trinidad only had three stations on TV, and none of them were dedicated for kids. <laughs> so it was just the stereo this, with, with, two, with two tape decks in it. And you know you can record. I can be showing showing age here. You know you can record an overdub tape on them type of sitting on it. So it was right by the bed, and it was just being a lover of music, and the the love of music just intensified to we saying you know. So we really want to actually kind of formulate these words and do it like how we listening on the radio right now. Yeah. And what part of Trinidad did you grow up in? Marbella, San Fernando. That's the south of Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And I know you come from a musical family, which is your father, Super Blue, and your sisters are Faye Ann and Terry Ann. Terry, Terry Loins, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is, um, is a thing that's most, is, uh, I we should say, it's misconstrued. The, the question I'll, we get a lot is, how was it growing up with them? We never grew up together. Mm-hmm. And and some people may say Blue Line is hurt and all these things. <laughs> However, Blue Line will refer to him as a like a sperm donor. Wasn't really there much. Not for for any of us really. There's no disrespect mm-hmm. in it at all. But it's just kinda what it was, you know what I mean? And um didn't even know I had siblings until probably like fourteen or something like that. Okay. You never knew all that before, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got you. So then that's a musical family. So then that right there, it's even if you didn't really know your family like that, this is something that was in your DNA 
and you discover this later as you go along in life. The love of music's inside of you from there. Yeah, it, it definitely seems so because even though we didn't have much connection with each other, mm-hmm. um, it we all ended up well, not all of us because there's more, there's more um, siblings, but at least these three, Faye and Terry and Blue, want to do music and are actually talented in doing music. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it definitely, after saying DNA, if he gave if he gave one thing, he gave that musical gene. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the DNA there. So, all right, you're 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 in Trinidad. You grew up in Trinidad. So then, now, what was it like coming to Brooklyn? Now, um, no, I was it was honestly, it was this is the first time we're saying it, but I was born in Brooklyn. Okay, I, I went to Trinidad to live after we get into some trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, being a young boy in Brooklyn, um, believe at the time. Playing with fireworks in the house, that was the issue. And, and, and moms come from work and see this hole burnt into the carpet and get scared and they say, oh, you're going to burn on the apartment. You know, so after we get a beating, <laughs> after we get that beating, say, oh, grandmother was always asking for, for, for Blue Line to come down mm-hmm. because she just took an extra like out of all of the grandchildren. There was an extra, there was some nepotism towards Blue to me. And um, yeah, I always ask until that, till that happened, then mom just gave in and just said, all right, this list, go ahead. Because she don't want it to happen while she was at work and I was in the house alone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're born in Brooklyn, went to Trinidad. When did you get back to Brooklyn? How old were you? Um... No, about about four, about fifteen, something like that. Yeah, about fifteen, just in time to go to high school, mm-hmm. and and um, was kind of ahead when when we came to, to to New York. We didn't go back to Brooklyn. We came back to Queens mm-hmm. from Brooklyn, and we go to Trinidad, and we come to Queens. Once I'd moved, and I was probably about fifteen. Went into ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So then when did, when did music actually start to enter your life? Now, was this when you got back to the States? It was like a year before because mm-hmm. um, we had, um, I remember the earliest time of doing music, we had this um, competition in school for, for performing and everything. I went up and performed some type of dancehall, soca-ish type of song. And got booed off the stairs. <laughs> Horribly. Horribly. Yeah. It was it was bad. It was really bad. It, it was um it started off very optimistic in the start because people was like, oh yeah, and then it quickly just turned to horror. Yeah. I mean, just run off the stairs, so that was it. However, that that it was just like you like how that trying to put the words together, being on the stage, something about it just kept, kept it going. It didn't get shame out of it. Mm-hmm. There was no thing there. Cause, okay. Cause I know you're a recording artist. So then that was your first venture was actually trying to do music on stage, get booed off in a competition and stuff. So when do you start to get into production? You get into production because 
being back in America, there was no, had no friends really. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and traveling every now and then summer before permanently moving back, traveling every now and then we had a one friend on the block we used to ride bike with and all that type of stuff. He moved. So coming back permanent now, there was nobody and still wanted to do music. So we just get into production by just having nobody to make beats for it. So I had a little karaoke, well, bought a little karaoke machine, had a little piano. Somebody bought probably mom's or a godfather or something. So bought a little karaoke machine and just started playing and overdubbing stuff because we used to take piano lessons as a kid, very young, we used to take piano lessons. So some of it kind of stayed. I would just play whatever I needed to play, record it, overdub it. And that's how we just started doing it till um, computer technology brought us Fruity Loops, which it seems a, a lot of musicians now or producers now started off with Fruity Loops. So Blue Line definitely started off with Fruity Loops to, and, and advanced from there. From there. And what type of music were you producing back then? It was hip hop, it was definitely rapping. Mm -hmm. And and always wanted to merge dancehall and hip hop together, but it was really rapping, sprinkling dancehall in it. So why not why not soca? Since that's where you grew up and that you knew what was going on at that time there. Soca was and in many ways still is a happy feel good music. It's not, um, there's only so many emotions and so many topics you can discuss doing soca music. It has evolved over the years, but there, there's no, you know, that for instance, there's no gunman soca song really. There's no depressing soca song really introspective. You know what I mean? It's the beat alone. You, you have no choice, but to, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they, they, it has, like I said, it has evolved and it's, it's, it's gotten certain places where people didn't think it would reach. But still, it still has, in Blue Lion's eyes, certain limitations. So dancehall was, was a better option. And hip-hop, from, from rapping, hip-hop will pigeonhole you if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. And um, they start off doing gangster music. They want to hear gangster music over me, especially if you do it real good. You know what I mean? You start off doing backpacker music. They want to hear you doing backpacker music. Don't you ever dare talk about busting a gun or something? That, that that's what they want from you. Dancehall is the one genre where it's it's a free for all. You can do whatever you want. Look, Pan Cartel, him talk about thank you, Jaffa, wake up this morning, and him talk about freaky girl. Then him talk about send for me army. Like nobody cares. The song bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. Got you, yeah, it gives yeah. you it gives you more more freedom of expression to really do yeah. what you need to do in that type of genre there. All right, exactly. I know the cool factor too. The, the cool factor dancehall is 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 very high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at that a hundred percent. So then, even doing some research, I came across some music and some stuff from about ten years ago with you and Dex Adapts and some more people. Tell me about that, because that shocked me when I seen that. Yeah, well, well, while doing music up here, went to a lot of, uh, went to a lot of, of characters, meeting people, trying to get connects and all this type of stuff. Um, we had some label situations. We almost got into and everything and just 
constantly meeting producers or artists or whatever. So one day a friend of, of, of mine we used to go to school with, um, college, we met up and we started doing music and he knew someone who had a cousin in Mount Vernon and they was talking and I said, well, my, my cousins do music and where So he took us up to go meet them. And one of those people was Dexter Daps. Um, there was also some other talented artists who still do music now, like Lady Ali still doing music. Um, but there was a bunch of artists. Yeah. You know I mean, it was like a 15 artists and probably like two producers and blue line would probably be the third. It was like three producers, but the other one was halfway in, halfway out. And Blue Line came in and, and ended up being the fourth that was beat me in a production. And Blue, um, Dexter had recorded his first song probably like a week before we met him. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Because I think the song, there was two of them that I'd seen. It was one of them was like a medley video. And the next one was one I think called Art of War. Yeah, Art of War was, um, that was not too long before him actually bust. Art of War was in the studio, just messing with stuff and, and, and he got that done. And um, a bunch of freestyle, there probably, should, there probably some bunch of freestyles down in, in that studio too. A basement beat me in the studios with Dexter too and, and a couple of other artists. There's, there's, couple of, there's a couple of things floating around. If people really look, they would, they would find a couple of things. But yeah, we used to run around New York with Dexter a lot and, and, and do shows and sleep in the studio to, to finish music for him, all that type of stuff. The CD that actually um, got into the hands of Dasika to say, yo, this guy, we want to work with this guy, was a CD that Kev Watts, one of the, the, the main producers in Beatmania, recorded and Blue Line was there. Banjo, may you rest in peace, was there. We all contributed to some, somehow, somewhere to that. Kev Watts mostly mm -hmm. recording and mixing that CD. And that's what Dexter went down with and started giving it out throughout Seaview and wherever else in Jamaica. And that's what got him recognized. Because a lot of people won't realize that he was in the States first and then he went back to Jamaica. You understand? Yeah, that but that's that's what um this thing that we never knew when we were younger, this thing called marketing <laughs> and branding. You have to make sure your market and brand good is not just about music. So he he was smart enough to know that he couldn't be in a new unknown artist and, and, and competition is there, you know, and the the minds of, of his countrymen. <laughs> he know that you can't go down there and say, yo. You're from foreign and you did go to school Mount Vernon and it's nothing like that. It it it'll be a harder time for you. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know he had to, you know, he's from he's really from Seaview anyway. It's not like he didn't grow up there for, for a good portion of his life or, or go to school or something like that. So it was more of a bending the truth more than a lie. Mm. You know what I mean? Got you. I even know you would, um, some situations you nearly got into. And I want to hear this story from you with, um, one of them was with, um, Sony and the next one was with, um, Murder Inc. What had happened there? Yeah, this, this was, um, this was before Dexter. We was, we was just learning how to record, but we were 
doing like lucky in the house, just doing beats every day, mm-hmm. still rapping. And um, big up Rico Taylor. He was he's the bridge now. From till this day, he's still on the team. Um, we we doing music, and um, we had another brother who who had sponsored a lot of the music equipment that was by his sister in Southside Jamaica, mm-hmm. and um, she had a nephew, and the nephew was in the streets, and somebody he knew knew somebody from Murder Inc. This dude blame was Dio Cannon, so um, so people don't don't think say we are live. Maybe they can find the connection and link it. Mm-hmm. But um, D.O. Cannon was part of Murder, Inc. And I think he was some type of A&R or yeah, probably a street dude too, but you know, labels and music work back in them days. And he had heard some of the beats because um, my boy's uh, nephew was walking around with the beats because he was a rapper too, trying to get on just like me. And I would always give them CDs at the, at the beats I made. And he would walk around and, and, you know, he's on the block with them. And so brother hear it and him like it. And him want to hear what we have and probably have a meeting and everything. Because he really did want a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So they set up a meeting. And the day before the meeting, this is the height of the G-Unit and, and Murder Inc. beef. The day before the meeting, he got shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And, and he got shot and killed right. Like the house we used to work, work in mm-hmm. was, was, was one block. And then a park was the next block, and then houses started again. He got killed right in the park. Mm-hmm. Right in the park or right next to the park, but it wasn't far from the actual house where we are all the time making music anyway. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that was something. That was something. So that was a murder ink situation. Mm-hmm. Then the Sony situation, somebody come from... I, I don't remember how I got in contact with this A&R dude, but he came. We're still in school at this time. The man come in, outside everything. I can't remember how he made the music. Mm-hmm. And he come inside everything. He come in our bedroom and just sit down and see me look and set up everything. And, and looking back at it now, that they, they make me realize here, yeah, the brother was really serious to come at this local. I don't know how old he was at that time. 17, 18 probably. Mm-hmm. And him listen to music and everything. And he said, yo, burn that and give her everything. And he left. And whatever couple of days or weeks afterwards, come home from school. We're in college now. Come home from school. And grandmother says, see, somebody call you. Somebody call you. I wrote down the thing and looking. I just see a number. And I said, well, who, who is this? And she said, some Sony records or something call you. Somebody named Keith. And I said, what? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I think his name was David. Or maybe it was John. And the name just keep changing. And I said, Grandma, you have to remember this. Like, this is... Wow. I said, I don't know. I don't know. She says, important. I was like, how you mean if this is important? Some calling number. And it really was Sony Records. But I have no extension. And I have no real name. I call every name Grandma gives me. And they said, they don't know who that is. They don't have no record of his name and they can't even, they could only look up so far mm-hmm. and especially without that extension, they don't know who they get. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was just, you, you, what am I going to do? Yell at grandma? But, woo! Didn't like grandma for a good while. Grandma, my aunt, but she's, um, yo, that one there, that one hurt. Grandma, one you hurt. had one job. 
Just one the number and give me the name. That's all I need. One job. Yeah, man, that was rough. That was yeah. real rough. No. And then over the years, we had other things um, linking up when we did reach with Beat Mania and, and, and Dexter. Dexter had a lot of interest. He had some interest from some people, Rough Riders, and we also with some of our music too. But something went wrong with the meeting. I can't remember exactly, but something went wrong with the meeting. Um, the link that we went through and um, some other labels, he had a lot of interest and we had a lot of interest for, for um, production mm-hmm. since at the time he was the one who was pushing me. And um, yeah, till he just said, oh, you're going to go down to Jamaica and, and do it because it's, I remember the conversation was there's less competition down at Jamaica. You see it for him down there. And I was like, well, let's do it. And he said, well, whoever boss, you don't know, all are we boss and, you know, is what it is now. <laughs> Crazy. Because even talking about production, I know you did some production work with like uh, Vibes Cartel, Cobra, Mr. Easy and stuff. How did that even come around? Yeah, big up JJ Wizzle. Most recently we have, the, um, most recently we just get Pepsi Jamaica placement with Lali. So if you ever see Lali mm-hmm. um, on the TV with a Pepsi commercial, they're saying, we got that flavor, Jamaican flavor. Blue Lion did that one. Big up JJ Weasel. He's responsible for a lot of them placements. And Rico Taylor also. Yardstyle Entertainment from Portmore. So that's, that's how a lot of those, those placements happen. Um, uh, we, used to deal, we used to go to a studio in Brickstack. Mad Cobra and, and uh, next brother named Ratigan and Rico and JJ used to take me around when I went to Jamaica and JJ mixes for a lot of people. He mixes for Octane, he mixes for Egyptian, he mixes for, for Lali, he mix, for the, you name it, he, he probably did it. He mixed, um, we call it Buster Cylinder for Massacre. You know, he mixed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, since he's in, he's a producer also, but he's not... He's not as involved in the, um, you know, the actual making of the beat as much mm-hmm. as Blue Lion is. Yeah. I mean, he does a lot of mixing, so you don't really have that much time to, <laughs> to make beats. Yeah. So um, as we being a part of the team and, and we all get together and, and out of that, that 15 artists and there's, there was even more people that like I was telling you before. There was even more people. So it was probably like 25 of us. Out of all of that, it just dwindled down to Blue Lion, Kev Watch, Rico Taylor. You know, and Ke- that's it. JJ Wizzle. Out of all of those people. You know what I mean? Um, as we said before, big up Lady Ali, she's still doing music. Um, and yeah, JJ just, you know, I need a, a beat for this. Need a rhythm for this. Yo, Blue, knock a rhythm for this. He would have vocals. The last, the last song we produced was a song for Egyptian called Sexy. He had the Egyptian vocals. They recorded it in Costa Rica on a different beat. And he said, Blue, we need a, a, a beat for this. And we went and knocked some things. And he said, like that, him, I go forward till we finish it. And then forward and finish it together. And so JJ Wilson is really, like, he's one of the, um, you know, dancehall need a kind of structure. I know I'm kind of going off on a little tangent. but Don't worry. Dancehall need, dance need a kind of structure. Whereas in far hip hop, you have a Steve Stout, you have a L.A. Reid, you have, you have consultations and 
people who have done things and can guide you a certain type of way, or people who are just what they call the plug. Mm-hmm. JJ Wizard is kind of one of that, that or artist or repertoire. He's kind of one of that. You know what I mean? And the dancehall definitely needs those type of people like him. And honestly, they need to pay those type of people. To... <laughs> you see? Right. They need to pay the type of people because the information, the experience, you know what I mean? The way their brain works, you know, it, it's needed for, for plenty of artists to succeed. You know what I mean? So, so again, big up to JJ Wizard. It's a big help. JJ <laughs> mm-hmm. Wizzle, he was instrumental in all those productions of Cabra, Vibes Cartel, Maestro Don, and all of the people that you're working with at that time there. He was really the driving force to get all yeah, of Yeah, him and Rico Taylor, Yardstyle mm-hmm. Entertainment. Yeah. The trick with it is even talking about this leads right into your, your one of your new songs that you're promoting right now with visuals to call Bosphere. All right. So it's not like B U S. Fear, like, okay, this is how much it is to go on the bus. This is bus fear, as in, how much do you have to pay to bus in this business type of thing? You understand? How did you even come up with a concept like that for a song? Just the experiences are going through dance, mm-hmm. well, just music, because as I said, it wasn't only dance in the beginning, but just going through trying to make it and, 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 slipping and falling and getting up and falling and getting up and realizing you pay for this and it's not where you thought it was and you, and you pay for this and you know what I mean? And, or you, you bring music here and you, you're thinking music, being talented is enough and it's not. But every time you hear somebody talk about it, yeah, you got to have good music and then you're hearing people constantly. They're not as good as you, but they're making it. You know what I mean? People who... who um who just who just around getting chances and you realizing that yo there's much more components to this mm-hmm. and then when busphere busphere is um is basically paying your dues right but that's the as you said the regular b u s f that's paying your dues that's just the new way blue land found to say paying your dues however when you're looking to do something with your song now and you're looking for promotion, you're looking for marketing, you're looking for PR publications to pick up yourself. And you call it the, the professional, and you're saying, I have this song, I want to promote it and everything. And I must say, yeah, $1,500, dog. Just me have DJ this, DJ that, and DJ so ever. Send the money and we can't start. And you never even ask to listen to the song. You don't, know, you don't know if these DJs will be the best fit for the song. You don't know if you should go radio for you have no no plan to say, okay, we can't start. My budget is this, and what we normally do is you know how you the son, send the money we are sending out to the DJs. That that just means say, all right, the money outweigh any everything else. So that's why Blue Lion spell it with the BU dollar sign, dollar sign. Mm-hmm. Because we have no problem spending for things, right? Because both is supposed to be your, your, your time, energy, and your money in whatever um, arena you want to go in. Being a doctor, engineer, fighter, whatever. You have to spend your time, energy, and you have to spend your money. The imbalance now is what Blue Lion talking about when money is more important. And it's, it's just crazy in, in, in dancehall. It's the same thing in hip-hop. 
But in dancehall, it's it's just it seems a bit more crazier as far as Blue Line is concerned. It seems a bit crazier. In hip hop, the, the entry price is higher. However, most times you get what you pay for, right? Or you get some type of business acumen from the people there. Even if you don't get what you pay for, there's some type of level of business understanding. And dancehall is just hustling. And 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 it's just it's the wild wild west. You see me? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it again. That's why Blue Line had to um, just be transparent and say, "Yo, are we open for Ryan Leslie? We paid to do that. We, it wasn't on the merits of a. We were so bad and people didn't want to see we. It's it's things like that. When you grow up and you and and even to this day, you're listening to people talk about um, how the music ain't going nowhere." Because you don't have that boom bop on it. No, the music ain't being marketed, brother. The music ain't have nobody to bring it to the to, to other people's ears. It, it, somebody, the, the song don't grow legs and walk to everybody. It take money to do it. It take a plug. Somebody who who's connected to that culture or know somebody connected to that culture and say, hear this and they say, oh, and that person, there are people in the industry. You can get the music too. And if you and them have a good relationship, or you spend enough money with them, they can press that button and your song will be on 100-odd radio stations in the country or in the world. You see me? President of Universal Music Group. Mm-hmm. You get your music there, he wants, to, he wants to make it go, it'll go. Forget him name, but it will go. You know what I mean? Or whatever price him, him put on it, it will go. So that's just, what's fear is that. When, when the money is just what matters and the music don't really matter, you have to pay a bus fee. And then the connect on one, the connection one is I was finding a way to, to continuously promote bus fear because over the years we haven't promoted songs for a long period of time. So because of the topic and people hearing it and they like it and as JJ say, yo, this a little mix-up song and a little bit, you know, you really think about it. <laughs> and he say, yo, you know, so they like mix-up. Yeah. So, <laughs> we, we, we're just trying to stick with songs, especially through of the last couple of years, Lizzo had a song that Boss and she was promoting it for two years. Cranium song Boss and he was promoting it for a year and a half. Um, Trap Queen from Freddie Wap was, you know, I think about three years he was promoting that. So, it's just trying to stick with it enough to go along so trying to find ways to keep it going and keeping it fresh we had a continuation called hidden fees so hidden fees is okay once you pay the money now the bus fare to get seen to get the marketing to get the plays and all these type of things after all that problems now you pay the money now you still have more problems because there's fine print now there's hidden fees there's fine print there's you're paying the money for, for a service and they're not getting the service the way it was described. Mm-hmm. Or you're paying the money and a man run off with the money. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a rough, it's a rough thing. That game, yeah, when people see it, especially any artist, we know where you go through. Sometimes your family members and them don't, don't know, them see an artist on the TV was successful and they just think, oh, you're, you're going to play music and you're having a good time and it's all a good time and that's it. It's definitely not. 
There's a lot of bus here to be paid. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know what, in that, when you're watching the visuals, what really exemplified what you were speaking about was the um, conductor. He really, it's like the conductor was the music business and you were the artist. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Big up um, Chula Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the idea. Um, there was a concern because the money must say, dog, I spend this money to make this video, dog, and you need to be the center of the video. And But one thing, Blue Lion, we have confidence and we can, you know, we can express what can be seen as arrogance from time to time. But there's really not much ego at Blue Lion. Eh? We like to be, you know, grounded in, in, in objectivity and, and facts where it is. And the best way Blue Lion saw for the music video to be is to have somebody animated as the conductor because that's what they do. They talk you up. You have to get the music to hear and, and you know what I mean? Funk flex and play it, dog, and CJ liquid upon the list. These are Smurf. We have Johnny, you know what I mean? We have all them people on the cat. That's how they talk and that's how they move. So the conductor had to be of that nature also. And he's the one collecting the money. So those, that's the way that person's going to be collecting the money. So mm-hmm. if there's no other way it could be, and Blue Line couldn't be that person. You know what I mean? So if we couldn't have ego, one of the ideas was for Blue Line to play all roles. And I was like, yo, that, it sounds good when you say it in one sentence, but when you think about it, it's not really, it don't really make that much sense. So we can't have that much ego to want to be the center of attention at all times. We can't get the message across and still be seen as the mastermind behind us going on and, and, and be effective. It's just no um, marketing and promoting. As you can see the video, it doesn't have that much view. It has a good look of views, but it doesn't have as much views as we would like to have. But the more people see it, we can look in the comment section People are saying, oh, it, it needs more radio play. It needs more. They need to see it more and all these separate things. So it's up to Blue Line and his team to do more marketing on it. It's up to the fans them to spread it and share it to people and everything and actually get the message. And probably, um, I don't know, is there's a thing with people where they would see a problem, say, yeah, man, and complain about it, and say, yeah, man, it should change, and then they leave it alone. Mm. And then another similar situation or the same exact situation come up and it's the same thing, complain about it, everything, and it never gets fixed. It never gets done. You know what I mean? They just complain. It, you know what I mean? It could also end up being one of those type of situations. Because if you want, if you really want to hear different music, then listen to different music and share it and support it. You know what I mean? Simple. Everybody does their part to make this work for Everybody involved, you know what I mean? Me as the artist, you like my music, share it with your friends. Hopefully they'll share it with theirs and I could put out more music because we're getting more popular and more people are seeing what I'm doing. And it's giving me the energy to put out some more. Right. That That's that's how it should be. It's just this, this um, people are letting marketing control them, which, which, which marketing is a, a form of a, a, a mind control anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if you don't want to hear a girl dash out and this explicitive and mad or whatever, then you don't support it and they have no choice but to change what they're singing. You know what I mean? Or 
And I don't really even think the problem is explicit lyrics. The problem is too many people doing it. There's the imbalance. Because it's not like, look how much, look how much viral videos you have a granny or, or a old man dancing to a, to one of them up them new songs they would them say oh it's a chopper song or whatever there's a space for it but it's when everybody copying because it worked with this one person that's where the problem coming because some people really live in that life and they want to be true artists and they want to talk about it or, then fine go do your thing but you not a chopper you not a murderer you not a, and you want to come sing just like all you must say now you're just saturating that lane and and the radio taking it and whoever else taking it and people supported it. So who else? Look, look, they had the big thing with um with Valiant and they must say, oh, but the brother can't sing. The brother really talented. Them find some old one drop reggae song and the man I sing out him heart about a girl and me I listen to the song and me I say, yo, that song you're bad. Yo, the man can't really sing like what a chopper song. <laughs> a chopper song bust him. You know what I mean? So it's who influencing who is the, is the people marketing influencing the, the, the crowd or is the crowd really going to tell the people, yo, we want this. It, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird convoluted thing. It's the same chicken and egg situation, which came first. Yeah. I understand. Mm-hmm. Your latest song right now that you are, you're pushing right now. It has, um, even a lyric video right now is walk with the vibes. This is more, okay. Yeah. You talked about more business. This is more a party vibesy type of song. How did you come up with this song here now? Walk with the vibes is, um, I know blue lion knows a lot of characters, (laughs) a lot, a lot of very unique characters. One of these characters is with DJ German vibes. Mm-hmm. So we get booked for a show and we go um we go to the show. Normally Blue Lion show we've we've developed a show where it's, it really is vibesy. There's a lot of energy and people love Blue Lion performances. It's one thing we developed over the years. Mm-hmm. We sit down and study certain people who perform and we've developed a, a pretty solid stage show. So that was on the mind, but at this particular time, we get booked for this show. And I always, whenever I can, tell them, say, oh, I'm a father, DJ. Because we want control. Because we, we curate how we're going to perform a certain way. So we want control. Mm-hmm. And um, say, yeah, no problem. We book with DJ. So me and German vibes reach. And the promoter agreed to everything. And him say, all right, we'll go on. you'll go up in about 20 minutes. It's all right, so cool. Him look for him, say, DJ this. Him say, yeah, I'm DJ this. And he look for German. German didn't have no book bag. He didn't have no controller, no laptop. You know, him say, so uh, are you DJ this? And he didn't have no, no controller, no nothing. No, what go on? Mm-hmm. And German look for him and say, I don't need none of that. Walk with my vibes. And we look for German and I say, dark. Yeah, mm. bad. And he laugh and he say, Mr. Norman, I sang that. And he said, whoever, whoever, you're ready for the show, and we just laugh. Mm-hmm. Till weeks later, not even weeks later, probably like a two, three months later, he come in the studio and hear the song. And he said, yo, dog, you really make a song out of that. And he said, so you mean, brother? Mm-hmm. I am mean. He did bad. Even, even that same show, that same show, when we done perform everything, even before, it, it didn't take me 20 minutes to perform. It took me a bit longer. 
<laughs> and German Vibes was on the set. He started DJ. He take over for the regular DJ. I start vibesing up the thing. He kind of normally likes to do that, but not for as long as it did take this time. Mm-hmm. And vibes up the place. The place kind of get more lively with him just DJ. I mean, I even touch the stage yet. And people start move up her because that's what he basically does to warm me up, to, to warm up the crowd to Blue Lion. And then even after him perform, the man DJ out the rest of the show. The promoter just did love the vibes and say, yo, yeah, look at extra something for your DJ, brother, because yo, the guys said, bad man, for real, I'm saying, for real, I really did, I just need them vibes. And we laugh. So all of that did kind of add to me saying, yo, me need for right that song, that song bad. So basically, me walk with the vibes, yes, because we have the vibes, but me also walk with German vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. No, trust me. I, I listen I listen to your the, the music. I watch the visuals and everything. And it's like, I definitely love what you bring to the table. So since I love it, I want you to leave some information where the people that's going to be watching this, where they could check out your stuff, either on social media, your Vivo, all of that good stuff. Leave all that information, any big ups, anything right now before I get you out of here. Yeah, yeah. Big up um, um, my people. Of course, I get German vibes, JJ Whistle, Rico Taylor, Kev Watts. Big up if you're Jody Legendary, big up on yourself, uh, whoever else support Blue Line, big up and, and thank you. We need all the support we can get. We've been doing this for a long time. And um, you can get Blue Lion um, news and, and videos and everything from bluelion.com or you can just Google Blue Lion and you'll see things pop up because we're popular. We've been putting in work for a good while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's B-L-U-L-Y-O-N. Or sometimes they need to put B-L-U underscore L-Y-O-N. Um, we verified, so it, it's hard to miss me on, on, on Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, and you'll see everything. Our Vivo channel, Blue Lion Vivo. And we have a good couple of videos. We have Goodbye. We have Link Up. We have Super Sexy. We have the song with Dexter, Blue Lion Dexter. There's an animated video for that, The Art of War. We have COVID-19. There's a bunch of, of videos I can go through. And as of course you were saying, we have bus fear and and walk with the vibes on there. Um, there there's there's some merch you can get also from the Blue Lion site. Um, the walk with the vibe T-shirts. We have a song called Missy, or they can get Missy or T-shirts and all that type of stuff. So, BlueLion.com and just Google Blue Lion if you don't find it, or the Instagram is blu underscore lyon, and there's links to to send you down the rabbit hole to experience everything Blue Lion. Definitely. And I have to big up before we get out of here, have to big up Dane Vogel for actually making this happen, making this connection happen right here where we could sit down and really get an insight to who Blue Lion is. You understand? Yeah, man. Big up Vogel, man. Big up Vogel. He's working. He's working. Definitely. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> Let me yeah. give you an outro and get you out of here. I can't wait to sit down with you again in the near future and then see where you are in the journey because you have so many different aspects of what you do. You understand? Much thanks, man. Looking forward to it for real. Definitely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, The Pull-Up, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.